0: morning everybody nice dramatic start with that with that video but isn't it a glorious glorious time to be together this morning so so good to see everybody here that has got out of bed and managed to be here on this probably arguably the greatest day in the history of of mankind so really good to be together glad that you could be here and um, on friday if you were here We uh, remember we went through the stations of the cross, and it was rather humbling. I think really humbling time, time to meditate on God's God's immense sacrifice for us on the cross. Um, And I think I think often it is good to do that, to be able to to just think back and, and recollect the great cost, the amazing cost that our Lord paid for us on the cross. But today, my friends, as as has come through in the worship, it is a much much different mood as we sit here this morning. Our mood is not one of being somber um, and thinking so much about the cost, although we would never forget this. But today, as we've as we've already spoken, as as, as Glendon led us in prayer, today we 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 cry in our hearts that Christ is risen; He is alive. There's joy in our hearts. He is alive. And the, and the amazing thing, as we know, is that he's in us and we are in him. We are alive. We are alive in our Christ, in our Lord. It is absolutely wonderful, beautiful that we could worship this morning with such, I felt, just such a sense of joy. And so it should be this morning, a sense of great joy in our hearts. And I know for many, I, 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 it's sad to say, I would say for many, this day, a bit like Christmas, I think, in the, in the period of, of celebration of Christmas, often the, the joy and the significance of such a massive event in history, where, where, where we have, there's no barrier now between us and God. It's been removed. We're in this place of the sweetest spot, where once more our relationship with our Father is unhindered. It's intimate. He's with us all every day. Every breath we take is in Him. How beautiful, how wonderful, but yet in the world, many, many, many don't, don't know that. It's, and, and crosses are worn. People wear crosses as, 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 as jewelry, but not because they understand the significance of this day. And so even as I, as I, as I was preparing this, 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 this lesson, this preach, I thought, but we've heard this all before. You've heard, you know what it is that happened this, this day, thousands of years ago. And I, and I just ask that our hearts would be stirred, Holy Spirit, that, that He would stir our hearts today, that it wouldn't become just the message that we know so well, but that something would stir in our hearts this morning to again be, be, be stirred and gripped by the power of the cross as we think about that this morning. So as you know, we've been looking at a, a series, doing a series of the book of Ephesians, and we last week did Ephesians 2, Glendon did the first part of Ephesians 2, which is really about us being alive in Christ. So I'm going to continue with Ephesians 2, the last bit of Ephesians 2, um, from verse 19 onwards, and thankfully, it fits in so well, that second part of Ephesians 2, with all that we've talked about this morning, the magnificence of God dying for us and, and, and being raised on our behalf, fits in so beautifully. So please, if you would just turn with me, if you have your Bibles, and we read that second bit of Ephesians 2, otherwise I'll just read and you listen. And it's the heading, although it's not a heading that was in the original scripts at all, but is one in Christ. That's the heading of this portion of Scripture, one in Christ. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at the time you were separate, separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God. Through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself. As the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises in in the Lord to become a holy temple. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Thanks, Lance. So as I said, that whole scripture is I know about Jew and Gentile being united. The Jews and the Gentiles now coming to one faith by what God has done on the cross. But this morning, I want to just concentrate on that aspect of being one in Christ, that you and I are one in Christ. And then also look at that, what it means to be believers, you and I, in Christ. And I'd like to just start by looking at Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. And we did that, obviously, when we were looking at Ephesians 1. And in Ephesians 1, it says, And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment, and that is to bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head, even Christ. That's the mystery that God revealed to us, that this is what he is about, bringing everything together in heaven and earth under one head even Christ and if we just think about the world let's think a while about what kind of state we're in since men and women since there's been the fall of man the world is completely fragmented it is not the unity that that we read of in Ephesians 1 9 and 10 and that we read about in Ephesians 2 it's fragmented can you think that the world would ever be comfortable with having one shepherd, one, one person speaking life and the way we should be living our life to all, for all to follow, one shepherd? The world doesn't want to be shepherded in that way. It's about fragmentation. If you just think about it, let's just think about this concept of unity. I mean, just think about how many different people there are on earth. They're males and females. They're Baptists and Charismatics. Even in the church of God, there's such a difference sometimes. English and Afrikaans and black people and white people and vaccinated and the (laughs) non-vaccinated. And if you're in America, Republicans and Democrats, well, that's a biggie. There's no unity in that one. Dare I say, Manchester United and Liverpool. Not much unity there either, hey? And the Russians and the Ukrainians. And so we could go on and on and on. There's nothing wrong with being different. But where it's a barrier, where there's a barrier, that's a problem. Always has been a problem in the earth. And the incredible thing that we read about in the second part of Ephesians this morning is, that we are part of God's plan, that plan of God which is ongoing. It's part of his redemption on the cross that eventually all things would be under him, one, under the headship of Christ, that he includes you and I in this will of his to bring unity. You and I, the church of God, are included in his plan. And that starts, that starts with us individually being right with God. The unity that we have with God, that he won for us on the cross. The sin that separated us from him has been taken away. He who had no sin became sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God and be one with him. And as we in this gospel age, because this is where we are in the gospel age of the good news of God, its redemption needing to go out to all. Under this present age, we need to be the church that helps others. To find who they are in Christ. That's part of God's will for us. There's no political persuasion that's going to do that. I know John Lennon, I think it was, or somebody sung of that. The Beatles sung of that, I remember now. You know, one world, no religion. People have tried it, but it's only the Lordship of Christ that is going to bring us all together. Can you remember, let's think back a little while, Long while, in fact, not a little while. Do you remember the story of the Tower of Babel? Do you remember that story? It's in Genesis 11, verse 6. It's, it's where God looks down on earth, and, and all sorts of things have happened. There's been the growth of mankind. And he sees that man has built a tower up into the highest heavens, a high tower. And God looks down on that, and, he's, and, he, and he makes the comment that if as one people, Speaking in the same language, because that is what had happened. They were all speaking in the same language and being one of mind. As of one, speaking in the same language, if they've began to do this, build this tower, they will be able to achieve all things. And that's a problem as God looks on the earth, because their unity was not for godly things. The unity that they had was in pursuit of their own fleshly, worldly things, and God looked down and said, but that unity is powerful. That unity is powerful. It's, it's not for the right purposes, but it's powerful. And, and, and it was a problem. What was, the, what was our, that's not even called an anthem. Our statement as a, as a nation years ago was, how many, how many lo, uh, Latin fundis there are? Ex unitate vires. Do you remember that? Ex unitate vires. That was the That was our cry as a nation. It was... Out of of unity is strength. So as we go back to, to Ephesians 2 and verse 12 and verse 13, I read this. Remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away because of our sin have been brought near through the blood of Christ. The veil has been torn, and we are now in the Holy of Holies with our God forever. There is unity between us and God, a magnificent, wonderful place to be in. That is step one of what God calls us to do, walk in, and what is won for us on the cross. But what about our relationship with each other and with others? That's the second part of what we read in the very last bit of that Ephesians 2, the end of Ephesians 2. There's a a scripture that's always gripped me. I've actually got it on my wall in my office. It's John 13, verse 35. It says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That's how the world will know First of all, that, there is, that, that Jesus is our Lord, that we are his disciples by how we love one another. That's always struck me so deeply. It's not about the major conquests, perhaps, that the church is, is about. It is about that. But this scripture says it's by our love for one another that they will know that we are his disciples. So let's just look at verses 19 and onwards and how and how that scripture describes our relationship between each other, the second part of the unity that God calls us to. First of all, he talks of us as the church being a spiritual city or a state. He says we are all fellow citizens. No aliens. We all have the same rights. I know it was in the context of Greek and uh, sorry of, of Gentile and Jew, but us today, we are all fellow citizens in the spiritual city that that Scripture speaks about. There's no second-class citizens. We're all under the governance in the city, the governance of Christ, the governance and leadership of Christ. In the, in, in long ago, in, the, in this context of the Scripture, Israel had. As their their central operation or central theme, the fact that they had the law and the prophets. But in this citizenship of heaven, under heaven, we are now citizens with the mark of the Holy Spirit upon us. No law to observe, no good works that we need to do to be known as citizens in the city. The only thing that marks us as citizens is the fact that we accept Christ's grace for us on the cross, And that we marked with a seal of the Holy Spirit. That is who we are. Then it speaks about us being family. It talks about the household of God in that scripture. That's a bit closer. That's a bit sort of deeper our relationship, your relationship, our relationship with each other. It's a deeper one. It speaks of the Father, God being our Father, our Father. That's what makes us part of this household. You know, we don't choose our our family, do we? There's that saying that we all know well that we choose our friends, but we don't choose our family. And I was thinking though about us in the church, I think about my own life. Are there times when I have actually chosen who my brother is? And because of something that's been done or some experience I've had, I I would treat some as, as my brothers and others not quite like that. But we don't have that option. God says that he places us in a family. He is our father, and all of us are brothers, whether we like the person next door to us or not. We don't have the right to choose. You'll be my brother today, but I don't really like you that much. I'd rather see you as my brother and sister, but not you, and I'm pointing there up in the sky. (laughs) Do you know, I want to tell tell you uh, 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 something that I've, I've spoken about so much that i I feel I shouldn't share it, but I've not shared it, I don't think, from the pulpit. On this issue of being brothers, we went to India a long, long time ago. I was telling somebody that came to visit us the other day. And the experience was, wow, it was just so incredible. So many sounds and, and noises and things to see and spiritual oppression that we felt sometimes. There was just much going on. And I came back from that trip, first time I'd ever been to India, and and someone said, well, what was your best experience? What really hit you? And what I still say to this day, I told it the other day again, was that we walked, we were sorry on a journey with the guy that we visited in India. And he had, he had led someone to the Lord that lived in a remote place near the Himalayas. And he, wanted, he was connecting with that person again who he'd led to the Lord. And he told him he'd be on the road and that he should meet us at a certain time. And this guy walked for a long time to get to us. He could hardly speak English. We were from South Africa. And he came and we were introduced. And I don't know what it was, my friends. Well, I do know. But immediately there was a bond between us. I, I, I neither liked him or disliked him. To this day, I hadn't time to make friends with him. But there was a bond. I knew he was my brother in Christ. I'd never seen him before. And just the interaction that we had for a short while... I don't think I don't know how long we were there for with him but short time it was just a bond because i knew this man walking from the utter, somewhere in the, in the in the remote areas was my brother in christ that struck me the most of anything on that entire trip in india thirdly we described as a building a building and this is perhaps the deepest expression of what we should be to each other as the body of christ speaks about stones, living stones. You and I are living stones that are being built into this building. We are being built, by the way. But we, we're living stones that fit into each other. We don't clash with each other. we beautifully put together as living stones to form this building. We complement each other. We support each other as stones in this building. And it's a growing building, it says. We are being built up together. We just finished this gifting series, haven't we? Where each of us have got different gifting in the body of Christ. So we are different, but we together and we complement each other. That's what God calls us to be as His brothers and sisters. I know that on the cross, you'll know that you remember that Jesus cried out when He gave up His spirit. It is finished. But he didn't say, I am finished. He didn't say, I, oh, Jesus, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. My work on the cross is finished, but he's not finished. Jesus is not finished. He's still working with you and I. The stones, living stones that we are, are being changed day by day if we yield to what God is doing. Part of this, to me, speaks of, 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 of the wonder of God not leaving what he's done on the cross and leaving us to ourselves, but he's building us, he's, he's fashioning us, he's sanctifying us, changing us day by day. Isn't that the most beautiful and glorious place to be right now under the workmanship of Jesus? Do you know, am I aware, or are you aware, are, are, are we excited about the fact that God who is alive is still working in us, building us together? And I do think it's important, this thing of unity. I really believe that we've got to lay hold of that. Our oneness in Christ, but our unity with each other. And Ephesians 4, 1 to 6, again, we've, we've, we've studied that earlier on in our study of Ephesians. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We have to keep it. We have to guard it. We have to protect it. I know myself, I've got to, I've, I, I, need to, I need to allow that to sink in because that's what God is doing, bringing all things under his headship and it starts with us in the body of Christ. So friends, I would dare to say that if there's anybody that you know that, you, that you're not in right relationship in the body of Christ, I would say God is, God is one for us, the, the intimacy with him and he calls for us to live in that same sort of oneness with our brothers and sisters. And I know that as I read, studied, and prepared this, I was reminded of that strongly. That I need to make peace, be at peace with my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's important. There's too much division in the church of God. So friends, let's go back to this message of Easter, if we may. and let's, I want to try and just marry... Some of, the, some of that with what we've just read in Ephesians. So much of what we've talked about, all of what we've talked about is available to us. God has done it. We just need to be walking in it. We need to be living in that place of unity with Christ. But do we always do that? Are we always there where our focus and our heart is, 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 is in that place where we're longing for God and, 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 and not being overcome and distracted by other things? Probably not. And as I look at the account that we read in John 20 verses, verses 1 to 18 of, of the account of the cross and the resurrection particularly, there are lessons that we can learn there. How was, what was the behavior of those that were closest to Jesus at the time of his resurrection? Because some of those things are the same gaps, the same distractions, the same shortcomings that they had. We have today, some of us, that stop us walking in the fullness of what Christ has won for us on the cross. So if we just, first point I'd like to speak about briefly is unbelief. So Friday, can you imagine what it was like on the day when Jesus was crucified, buried, it must have been a time of incredible bewil- bewilderment and, and lack of, of hope in people. Because Jesus, who had walked with them, who they saw as, as, as their Savior, as, as, as their Lord, was gone. The person that they'd put all their faith in was dead and was, and was, was, was buried. And then Mary goes to the tomb and he's gone. He's gone. And they were, I'm sure, thought, well, is this a myth? Was, this, was, was everything that we've been living for and walking and, 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 and Jesus has been teaching us, is this all just a myth? He, she runs and tells Peter and, and, and John, the closest disciples to Jesus of this, and all the other disciples, and, and, and they're bewildered too. They're fearful. They had no belief. In the fact that Jesus said, I will rise. I will rise. in, In Luke 24, the angel reminded Mary that he had told her that he would rise from the dead. But at that moment, when they went to the tomb, there was no belief. They'd lost their belief in what God had told them he was going to do. They said it when the scripture says, when Mary ran back to tell them that actually, no, hang on, I've, I, I, he, he's gone, but, but I spoke to him, he spoke to me at the tomb. It says they, they, they thought what she said was nonsense. They were shattered, their belief was gone. And as I said, these were not the crowd, this, these were those that were closest to our Lord. Who at that time were fearful, hiding in their rooms when, when Mary found them, hiding in the room, not being fearful of going out, lest the same sort of thing happen to them. And Spurgeon, you probably know that name, great theologian, he speaks about this unbelief, but he says it's the, it is a problem in the church, unbelief in the church. How, how would that be? Surely there must be unbelief in those that don't know God. But he speaks about unbelief in the church. I just want us to think about that. It could be so many things. It can be, are we walking too much in the faith of of having faith in our programs, our church programs, the things that we've put together in our church, man-made programs? Could it be that we put all our faith in, in, in certain preachers? Could it be that we're not trusting all the promises of God fully? Could it be that we don't have enough faith or we have unbelief in in, in what God has said he would do for us? Are are we living in places where instead of having his peace, we don't believe in that. And instead we're led into, into fear by the circumstances of our world. That would be unbelief. It would be a certain degree of unbelief even in the church. What would be the cure for us today? If you're sitting there and saying, you know, I, maybe I have a degree of unbelief in me. I believe, but, but I, need to be, I need to be stronger. I need, I need to trust God for, for those big things in my life. Who will roll the stone away? Who will roll the stone away is what the woman said. Who will roll the stones away in your life that are so big? that only God can do, healing that you may want, relationships that are broken, and maybe with, there's a lack of belief in, some, in us sometimes, even in the church. And what is one cure for the unbelief that we may have still have today? I think it's such an easy thing in some ways. In Mark 9, verse 14, do you remember that account of the father whose, whose son was um, possessed, And he brings the son to to, to Jesus and and he he says, if you can do anything, take pity. And Jesus says, if you can, in other words, if I can, everything is possible for him who believes. And what does the father of the son say? I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And I just think this morning, if there's anything in you that your faith that needs to be stretched, my faith, may it be a simple start this morning, where you just say, Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. And then the secondly, as, as just this last point, fear or hope. I think they go together in some ways. Mark and, and Luke, we read of the fear of the woman on seeing the angels. And John, when he ran back to the tomb, after Mary had told him about what had happened, John and Peter ran back to the tomb. And it says that John ran, but he, was, he didn't go into the tomb. He was afraid. He was fearful. He stopped short of going into the tomb. There was fear in him, and the count, as I said, of the holy of holies being curtain being split in two is an incredible picture. It's our connection to the kingdom of God. We back, we connected again to the Father intimately, in Him and He in us. It's not a religious thing to put our hope in God. There's a relationship. Mary ran back with with spices that she had to prepare because that was their custom, her tradition. But when she got to the tomb, just going through the motions of religion, she met the person of Jesus. The relationship was real, a person of Jesus. And so the answer to our fear is to understand the significance of us being one in Christ, that he is with us always. Again, Ephesians 1.15, that passage that says about his incomparably great power for us who believe. Later, it says that everything was placed under his feet, and he was appointed to be head over everything for the church. God has been appointed with everything under him for us, for our benefit. And so if we are fearful, if you are fearful, if there's any fear in you, the circumstances of life have robbed you. Of the fullness of the message of the cross. Or if you've lost hope. You know the Lord's prayer and I know the Lord's prayer. And we know that the Lord is my, I know he's my shepherd. We read that. The Lord is my shepherd. But who is the shepherd? In Ephesians 1.15, he is the king of kings with everything under his feet. That is who your shepherd is. He's the king of kings. Everything is under his feet. Psalm 24 verse 8 says, who is the Lord? The Lord strong and mighty, mighty in battle. That's who our shepherd is. We we need not have fear. We, hope can be stirred in us this morning when we realize that we are in him. That is who we are in and he is for us always. So I'm gonna end off. Who is it that you're looking for? Jesus asked Mary at the tomb, who who are you looking for? And Christ still asks that question today. Who am I looking for? Who are you looking for? Are you looking to your career? Are you looking to elsewhere to build things to make you feel good and and, and fulfill a purpose? Or are you looking for Christ? One of the heaviest burdens I I don't know that I feel also is under this issue of fear is, is sometimes we're lonely. Sometimes we feel we don't fit in. There are those that feel that way. And the promise of him always being with us, that thing that gives us hope and breaks our fear because we are with the Lord who is Lord of all. We should never be lonely. He will be with us forever. And that being with us only makes sense because he rose. He lives today and we are therefore never alone. And so what is our response? What can my response be? It's only when Mary hears her name, Mary, Jesus says to her, Mary, what is it that you're looking for? And when she hears her name, Mary, she recognizes that it is Jesus speaking to her. So for some this morning, I would trust and ask right now that you hear his voice speaking to you personally by name, as he did to Mary. I believe he still calls us personally by name. And whether it is this morning that you need to maybe respond for the first time to God calling you, or that he's telling us and speaking to us, he said something to us in the service, during the worship, whenever it might be. Maybe it's about some unbelief in us that needs to, needs to be put aside, that you would respond and hear him calling you today. Trust God to roll away those stones in our lives. I pray that we would refuse to live in fear, Because there's a triumphant God who is our shepherd. And may you appreciate, I I pray that I would appreciate, and you would appreciate as we leave this morning, how much God loves us. He asked Mary, why are you crying? Why are you crying? Because he loved her. He saw her pain. And I know God's still the same for us today. He knows the pain that you and I go through sometimes. Sometimes. And he'll ask you and ask you today, why are you crying? I, I see what it is that hurts. And he wants to love you this morning and forever. John was scared. I, I, I would trust that sometimes it, we need to be brave when we make a step forward to accept what God has for us. It's been said that often as Christians, we want to participate in his resurrection and his victory but we do not want the death, the dying to self. That that's what's difficult. So I pray today, I pray today that we would be prepared to do that. We Open ourselves up to the leading of the Holy Spirit and to walk in the fullness of everything that God's achieved for us. His, his death and his resurrection for us. So I pray that we would leave this place full of joy. I, uh, I pray that we would be we'd be ever grateful for the depth of his love, that we'd walk in his peace and his hope, and then we'd be prepared always to share this message, this powerful message of his resurrection with those that he, that he brings across our paths. Amen. Amen. Now, I just ask that if there's anybody, sorry, Glennon, that anybody that does want does prayer this morning, if there's anybody here that, that has not yet accepted what Jesus has done for you and I on the cross and you've never said Lord thank you I, I want to be part of you I want to be intimate with you and live in that relationship with you if you've never made that commitment and to do that please do not leave this place before we pray for you please come and we'd, we'd love to pray for you and for anything else and anybody else that needs prayer this morning thank you God bless you I'm not Jesus. (laughs)